powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I'm starting with the same level of goodness that the Montreal Canadiens brought tonight. So, it's a terrible game. 40 minutes of crap from the Montreal Canadiens. They kind of brought it a little bit in the third period until they tied it, and then the Ducks just sealed the deal. Congrats to the Ducks, their second regulation win of the season. Big move for them. We got Zegers versus Caulfield at least. Two assists versus two goals from the two buds. Hopefully those guys can go out to dinner after this and have a laugh about how terrible this game was. I've got a great guest who's going to join me, Annie O'Donnell, who was recommended by Jesse Blake. So you know that she's going to be great. We're going to bring it. And you know what? Despite the fact that this game was terrible, it was basically unwatchable from a Canadian's perspective. The vibes were okay in the stream chat. I was hanging out, talking, answering questions before we started the stream. We're still going to have fun. So it's going to be fun. All right. Somebody's still saying no sound, but uh, it should be going now. It Yeah, it, it's going. I can see the levels on OBS. So we're good. All right. So before we get into it, if you're feeling unlucky because the Canadians lost, maybe it's time to change your luck. Think you know how it's going to go. Make your bet with sports interaction, whether it's World Cup, which is just about over, hockey, football, or basketball. Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. You want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, everybody. Let's start the show in earnest. I'm going to bring in Annie. How are you, Annie? Sorry it took a little bit long there. Apparently, I'm, I have the same level of attention to detail tonight as the Canadians. <laughs> I'm doing all right. How about you? I still, like you were doing your introduction. You were like, the Ducks getting their second regulation <laughs> win. I listen, I know this team is bad, but getting, I knew, I, my expectations were really low going into this season. But if you had told me the Ducks would not only get only have two regulation wins by December 15th, but it would be their first win outside of the state of California. I would have told you, you were nuts. Like, come on, the team's not that bad, but of course I, those ducks always surprise me for better or for worse. But <laughs> other than that, I, I'm okay. Heading into the game. I was reading, I looked at like the lineup, right? Cause I don't, they're going 11 forward 7D heading into this game. And I was looking, reading yeah. through and I was like, this, they're not that bad. Like the roster's not that bad. And I feel like Dallas Eakins got a little bit out of it last year, right? Like he's not the worst coach in the world. You know, Trevor Zegris is fantastic. Troy Terry is like unbelievable. Right. It should be better than this, but you know what? We said the same thing last year in Montreal, Annie, and, and as bad as the ducks have been this year, when Dominique Ducharme was fired last year in February, I'm pretty sure the Canadians had like eight wins. That, honestly, I forgot about that. That's true. It was bad. Like, yeah. It was it was a rough ride. They like Steve and Jesse and them uh, and maybe Robert as well made a clip of uh, all the times that I started the show saying another Montreal Canadiens loss. It was a, <laughs> it was a pretty long clip. Oh god, <laughs> that's hilarious. I and you no, you prove a valid point there. Like he's not the worst coach in the world. This team has risen to the occasion, like last year. But I do think. The loss of Ryan Getzlaff 
just kind of shows just how impactful of a player he was and how he was that team. And everyone, you know, there, you see a lot of Ducks fans kind of saying with the decision to not pick a captain after he retired, they're like, oh, there's no, you know, no, there's no voice in there. There's no leader. Like, I, I think it was the right move to not assign a captain and just have, you know, alternate the A, have the A just on three guys because, you know, you you got to give time for a player to step up and say, hey, I'm going to be the guy that's going to lead this team. And you bring up Troy Terry. I think he's the guy that's going to do it, that's going to rise to the occasion because he's going to he's a part of this young core that this rebuild that's going to hopefully take the Ducks back to the playoffs and hopefully back to another Stanley Cup final, knock on wood. Um, but you also think that, you know, at this point, like things are so off the rails and it's not all Dallas Eakins fault at this point. You know, it it goes both ways. You know, the guys, he can't be on the ice producing, but you know, you see you bringing up instances like Montreal where there is that big change. I mean, you saw the instant change when Marty San Louis came in to Montreal last season, even if obviously, you know, things didn't, you know, they didn't miraculously turn around, but Cole Caulfield certainly picked up steeps picked up steam after Marty came into the picture. So I think, you know, is it, is a coaching change going to make or break the ducks? No, obviously not. But it's something, well, my thing is how are you going to sit here and see game in and game out that things just aren't changing. It's just a constant, just almost impossible to watch. Even tonight, there were a lot of cringe moments despite coming away with a win. It wasn't a perfect game, but you know, at this point, everyone's kind of thinking, what's Pat Verbeek doing? Unless he's just fully buying into this tank for Connor Bedard to try and get one of those top picks, which right now is looking very likely. But no, the blame's not on all, all on Dallas Eakins. And I get wanting to give him a year under Pat Verbeek to say, hey, let's give you a year with this team I built, you know, see what you can do. I don't think he's if he's not out by sometime this season, he won't be back during the summer. I I'm confident in saying that. Yeah. It's, it's what you're describing that like constant unchanging, just slog is what the Canadians were dealing with last year. Right. Until St. Louis took over and all of a sudden Caulfield was this spark of life. And I believe after his two goals today, he scored 40 goals in 67 games right? under Marty St. Louis. So everyone's like, Ooh, he's got, 15 games can he score 10 more and make it 50 and 82 and that's like an exciting thing to think about but yeah i think that's what makes tanking such a hard sell for a lot of fans like as much as people want the canadians to be bad this year right they want a shot at bedard mitch goff or fantilli right one of those top guys because the team does need it right if you could be in a situation where caulfield and suzuki are your second line that's getting into cup contender territory right absolutely so practically you do want that but sitting through 82 games of just no hope depression like people don't want to do that which is why you know as much as this game was so terrible for the canadians and i wouldn't want to watch 82 of those when they came back i was like you don't deserve this (laughs) (laughs) no cole Cole caulfield (laughs) did but nobody else Jeez. that first goal was beautiful I, I i love when they're just smooth i i was rooting for dostal to get a win tonight but i mean you gotta admire just the kind of player that cole caulfield is i love watching that kid play hockey but it and it's funny when you talk about marty st louis because i remember obviously cole caulfield was the favorite calder candidate going into last season then of course 
the Habs are bad and people are like, all right, well, he's he's off to the wayside. And then he goes on this absolute streak and all of a sudden he's launching back into the Calder conversation just with his performance from February to what early May. And it's it's crazy what a just a change like that in the locker room will do. And, you know, I feel like the discussion amongst Ducks fans right now between like, and I feel like there's some common ground here. Like nobody likes to sit there and watch their team lose, but like there's the anti-tank and then like the full on, like we're going for the first overall pick crowd, which as many teams can tell you is not a guarantee for the first overall pick as we've seen time and time again. But there's like that notion where, oh, if you want a change, you know, if you want a coaching change, if you want trades to be made, if you want Pat Verbeek to do something, you don't want a shot at the overall pick. You do, you're not thinking long term here. You're not thinking rebuild here. And that's not the case at all. Like you said, you just don't want to sit there and watch a mediocre hockey team that really shouldn't be that mediocre play play games night in and night out. Whereas, you know, the other side of it, it's like, yo, if you're rooting for your team to lose every night, like what's, what's even the point? Like, why are you even watching games if that's all you're rooting for? But a common ground here is like, Hey, we don't want to suffer. We, you know, we want our teams to be competitive at some point, but, and even, you know, Pat Verbeek gave an interview not long ago and he said, Hey, like, look at the Colorado avalanche. They had to get those top picks. They had to get those, you know, top draft picks to build what they have now. So that's what it's going to take to build a solid cup contender here. He's not, he said, he's not, he never encourages tanking, but he said, Hey, you know, if we get a shot at one of those guys, you know, it is what it is. But they also said that, you know, and I feel like a lot of GMs will say this, they'll like, oh, I'll give guys time to figure it out. Like I want to give, and it's funny because Bob Murray back in 2018-2019, the Ducks went on that awful like two-month stre- two stretch from December to January where I think they won two games combined. And he was like, oh, I want to give the team and the guys time to figure it out. And they just didn't figure it out. And like when GMs say that, I'm like, okay, what exactly – like? When do you say, okay, enough's enough? When do you pull the emergency brakes there and say, okay, it's time for a change? Because that's what I'm thinking right now. I was like, Pat Verbeek said, hey, I want to give these guys time to, you know, get their feet under them, let the new guys get gelled in, figure it out. But, you know, when is when is it time? Yeah. I and guess that's it, my question here. As much as, like, the Canadians this year have been surprisingly decent, you see some of those same questions in the fan base here as well, where they, like, clearly the Canadians want, they're veteran guys who are on either expiring deals or one year left or two years left where they could possibly be traded possibly with reduce, like uh, keeping some of the salary back in, in the trade. Yeah. Uh, they want those guys to produce and they're kind of bending over backwards to give those guys opportunities to produce. So you see guys who are, who are the whipping boys here, right? Like right now, everyone on Twitter is going off on Jonathan Drouin, who frankly had a great game until the net was empty. And then made one bad pass, and immediately that's what happens. And it just so happens that in the last game, they also had the net empty at the end of the game, and a puck bounced over his stick en route to another empty net goal. So everyone's all over him right now. I think tonight the bad pass was the only mistake he made. Like, blaming a guy for a bouncing puck is idiotic to me. Right. But, like, my focus is, like, is the guy playing well? And since he came back from injury, he's he's playing pretty well. Same kind of thing with Yoel Armia. Is he cursed by some sort of like god that we've never heard of? Yes. Uh, he cannot score for the life of him, but he's currently playing decent hockey. Uh, they've kind of recovered Mike Hoffman a little bit. And then you've got Evgeny Dadanov, who they also have been like giving more and more ice time to. He's starting to play a little bit better as well. But then 
you have like Uri Slavkovsky, who's 18 years old, first overall pick last year. He had a decent first period compared to the crap that most players were giving. Second period really struggled with the puck, I thought. And all of a sudden, he was shifted down the lineup immediately in favor of Jonathan Drouin. So you have people freaking out about that, where I understand it, because it seems really reactionary to basically sit a kid for a vet who hasn't really produced much anyway, especially when the kid, I think, has like five points in his last seven games. It was a decent clip, but it's just one game, right? Right. Like who who were the whipping boys on uh, in, in among the Anaheim Ducks fan base the guys that everyone's all, <laughs> all over all the they? time who, who aren't they, they? Is well the it's not Zegris and Terry right no it's not it's not Zegris it's not Terry it's not McTavish um Kevin Shattenkirk gets it oh a that lot, makes sense and deservedly so he has not been great this year that's that's a guy that I would not be shocked is moved at the deadline it's the last year of his contract I would be beside myself if he's back in a ducks uniform next year plus you could ship him off like some, somebody needs what a third th- third pair of demon he's, he'll be great for that a cup contender fine um Derek grant is another one uh because dallas eakins just loves him loves putting him on the first second line and putting like mctavish on the fourth and everyone's just losing their minds over everybody it. hates those guys hey the, the oh, coach's yeah. favorite guy the coach the ca- the character guys the yeah. guys the, the, you know, but then you have the fans that are like, oh, well, you know, the young guys need protection. The young guys, it's like we had Nick Delorier last year and you're like he was put on a line. They had Zegris and that well, Terry was up with Getzlaff. They had Zegris and Raquel when he was when he was helping. They're like they put Delorier on the wing. And I'm like, why the hell is Nick Delorier playing with Trevor Zegris? I'm like, oh, no, he's got to protect him. I'm like, protect him from what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just I mean, which I, I you know kind of near towards the end of the season, that Jay Beagle debacle. I'm like, okay, all right, I, I get that. All right, sometimes maybe you protect him from some things, but not to the point where he's your line mate in night in and night out. Um, you I was gonna- like, yeah, everybody gets, everyone gets a lot of it. I mean, especially at this point when your team's bad, you're looking to point the fingers at just about anybody. So, yeah, but those are the, those are the main that's guys. True. Cam Fowler had gotten it like a lot in the last years just because he kind of regressed, but he's had, a, I think, I think a pretty good year so far. So, but yeah, the big guys, yeah, definitely Shattenkirk and, and Derek Grant. Those are the. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple of cool Ducks fans in the chat, actually. So welcome. Uh, I think last one left in TransX Zero are their usernames here. Uh, TransX Zero says that Silverberg is already also on the list, which is funny because I feel like he's one of those guys that has just been good for so long that I just still assume that he's good. And because I don't get a chance to watch many Ducks games, like maybe he's fallen off a bit of a cliff as he's like, he's got to be early thirties now, I would assume, right? He's gotta be, he's mid thirties by now. I mean, it's still, it's crazy. That Bobby Ryan trade to me is still like last year. <laughs> like it's hard to it believe feels like it. that he's been a duck for as long as he has, but I was, I'm a big, I, I like Silverberg. I, I love watch. He doesn't get much shootout, shootout opportunity uh, lately, but watching him in the shootout back when he was, when he was producing was excellent to watch but it's funny because every time i see any kind of silverberg slander on my twitter feed he ends up scoring a goal that game it's just it just kind of happens like that i'm like hey he's he's hearing you but that's i mean it's also to do the fact that i think he's got a couple more years on that deal but it's a lot of money on that deal so i mean dallas is like i'm not gonna put 
you know, I think he's a what up five million. I think he's in that five, six million range. They're not, he's not going to sit him on the bench. Same with Adam Henrique's another one. I mean, we've been trying, I feel like GMs have been trying to get somebody to take that contract on and that's not going to happen. I don't think that that'll happen at any point, unless, unless Verbeek is willing to take that 50% on top of it. But even then you don't want to be carrying that going into a rebuild and trying to sign the young guys. So it's all, it's all the older veteran guys. I feel like people are hating on. Nobody wants to touch. It's like a Gordon Ramsay on when you see the, like the co- comparison for when he's on the kids cooking shows yep. versus like, the adults in um, what is it? Hell's kitchen. <laughs> nice to the young guys. And then just absolutely cursing out the older ones. Yeah, John, the older and- ones are donkeys. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Everyone's I don't think comparing. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone would dare hate on John Gibson. He has not played his best uh, this year by any means, but I mean, he's keeping the Ducks in so many games. And I, I, I would, I would dare somebody to hate on John Gibson or call him a, a call him. What was the phrase you looked? You were you worded for these guys? Uh, what did I say? I don't even remember now. Not punching uh, bag. Pun- was... uh, whipping boys. Whipping, whipping boys. boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Plus Gibson. Gibby would shoot you. Gibby would shoot anybody who would call him a whooping boy. <laughs> I feel like Gibson's one of those guys that, for a stretch, was like one of the best in the league. And then, as oh. Anaheim kind of cratered, his numbers fell apart as well. And people have had trouble separating the fact that he's still not horrible. And like league average goaltending, like the save percentages have gone down too. So like this, it's this twofold attack on John Gibson at all times crushing his former amazing numbers and people are like oh well he's not good anymore but i don't know he probably still really is because he's not that old no not i mean he's he's my age so what he's what 29 30 so still you know that's kind of prime age for a goalie like the goalies really start to mature and get into come into their own in that era i you know, I, I'm so I, I've wasted so much energy being a Gibson defender because you know for the majority of it, the majority of you know the league that talks about we're talking goaltenders here. You know, you're watch, like you've said, you said, hey, I don't get a chance to watch the Ducks all that much. Yeah, most of the league doesn't because they're on the West Coast, and frankly, not everyone's waiting until 10 p.m. <laughs> to watch the Anaheim Ducks, and understandably so. I lived I lived on the East Coast uh, for a little bit, and watching Ducks games on Eastern Standard Time is brutal especially when you got work and school in the morning so I don't you know that's that's not to blame anybody there but I mean absolutely it's just he gets so much unnecessary unnecessary flack and that's part to do the fact that not a lot of people watch him that you just kind of you just kind of see numbers and you assume oh bad save percentage bad goals against oh he's got he's washed he's done you're like yo watch the game watch the saves he's making watch how he's keeping the ducks in this game when he's you know has there's been times where he stopped 15 to 20 shots in the first period meanwhile the ducks have had four shots on net down at the other end like it just you gotta you know you gotta watch for the full picture for how you know how he's been doing and you know the trade there's always i mean there's been trade rumors about him for the last like four years since the ducks have just really been bad and you know every time he kind of shuts out and he says nope this is i haven't requested a trade so Everybody feeds. I mean, God, the the Gibson to Toronto trade, I feel like it's just an evergreen. It always comes up every time the Leafs need a new goalie, every time, you know, the Ducks are bad or every time, you know, somebody talks about the Ducks being bad. It's always, you know, trade John Gibson. But I feel like at this point, if you're going to if you were going to trade John Gibson, you want to get the most out of him. You would have traded him already. Like it would have been done. Like at this point, 
you know, Ver- and Verbeek knows that too. He's not going to get as much as he wants from John Gibson for, for in a John Gibson transaction as he would like. So. Yeah, it, I it's true. I mean, there's a reason why goalie stats are like notoriously unreliable, right? They're the, totally. the th- goalies are the thing that we know least about even the people who are like heavy into data. Right. Right. So you, you got to match some eye test in there. Uh, Trent says, wasn't Eakins bad in Edmonton? I mean, yeah. But yeah. that was Edmonton. Like Edmonton was a a incredible, incredible mess. And frankly, <laughs> in a lot of ways, still are. Like you watch the Edmonton Oilers play, and whenever Leon and Connor aren't on the ice, they're terrible. Yep. It's just that those two guys are the best in the league at what they do, and what they do is mess teams up in a very short amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> they're just complete and utter game changers, and like even what like you see in Toronto with like the, the one, two punch of Tavares Matthews, or like, if you want to put Mitch Marner in that category, I don't think the Leafs like those players, I I think they're great, but I don't think they can change games in the way that the two Oilers guys can. Like those guys can turn a game where the Leafs or the Oilers are just getting pounded into the ground. And like five seconds later, they have like five goals. It's crazy. It's it's honestly insane, and then it gets exposed in the playoffs, and it's like, oh yeah, we need more than two guys. Yeah, when you're allowed to guys. jump on them and and hook them and hold. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I saw something where you know a lot of fans were saying, hey, you know the sh- you know the Oilers should try and go get Eric Carlson from from the Sharks, and I'm like, you got to think. I was thinking that. I said, you already got Darnell Nurse on that insane contract. What's he getting nine two five? Each year, and then you add in Eric Carlson, who's getting eleven five. I think I was like, Shh, "That's twenty million dollars oh. tied up in two defensemen." Maybe it's well for in, Nurse. Well, well into their thirties. Oh, maybe you'd have to me. trade Nurse for him. Literally, I don't. Uh, I don't know if Mike Greer can afford to do. Like you, <laughs> if you trade Eric Carlson, you're rebuilding. That's yeah. Do not trade for Darnell Nurse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd man. have to like. Put Darnell, Darnell Nurse hat would have to be like, a, he's not the center. You'd have to like throw in so many other things. Be like, okay, all this for taking Darnell Nurse. <laughs> you trade for Eric Carlson and you're actually paying more just so they take Darnell Nurse. <laughs> that's a, that's a rough situation to go into right there. <clears throat> but, at that point, you're like, yo, are we that desperate? I mean, at a certain point, Edmonton, Edmonton has to be right. They've got to the win a cup. They're like, yes, we are. <laughs> I mean, they had success last year, but then, you know, I think getting swept in the conference final takes away a bit of the sweetness of making the conference final. Yeah, I was going to say, you you come out of the Battle of Alberta, you know, beating your chest, feeling so good, and then you get embarrassed by the Colorado Avalanche. It's like, all right. Yeah, it's true. Although, who hasn't been embarrassed by the Colorado Avalanche? This season, notwithstanding, with all the injuries that they have. Good God. They... Ugh, I, and I, granted, I, you know, I tune into the, the avalanche when I can, but like, I remember looking at the lineup the other night and I was like, well, can I say, okay, I think I, and when then McKinnon got hurt, I think what last you, was it last week or the, have the weeks just been passing me by, but jeez, <laughs> that's a cup hangover. If I've ever seen one, <laughs> just Miko Rantanen's a center now out of nowhere and <laughs> still carrying the team. Yeah, that that they had a lineup the other day that had like one guy that I recognized. Yeah, the it rest was, AHL guys, which hey, yeah. you know, 
not a bad kind of like with the Ducks. I mean, their goaltending tandem tonight were both guys from the AHL affiliate, the goals. But you know, you if you're which Colorado's not a bad team, I shouldn't say that. But it's never a bad thing to you know get some of the younger guys up there and get them some NHL experience. I mean, ideally not when you're you know down in like you know March April fighting for a playoff spot. But you know. Bright sides to every situation, I guess. But yeah. I'm sure, if you're I'm sure if you're Joe Sackick, you're like, yeah, this is not ideal. No, this is not the way they wanted the season to go. <laughs> this is but not. I was looking for a repeat here. <laughs> as long as they're all healthy in time for the playoffs, I think they'll be all right. There was a, yeah. a couple questions in the in the stream chat here about Caden Gooley because everybody wants to hear about Gooley Nation, and he was actually one of the few players after 40 minutes on the Canadians that I had circled as like decent game. <clears throat> I know, like. As per usual with Caden Gooley this year, uh, his underlying numbers are not great because uh, he's playing top pairing minutes as a 20-year-old and shouldn't be doing that. And he's also carrying Joel Edmondson, who is a boat anchor, to put it mildly. <laughs> but uh, I thought he was the only defenseman in the first and second period who was consistently stopping the Ducks from entering the zone. And he, he was pulling out stops pretty well. The issue is he uh, got caught up on, I think, both of the first Ducks goals. I was going to say, Zegers basically put him into a blender yeah. <laughs> on that first one. Yeah, and he was his the pass from Zegers on the first one uh, went right through his skates. Yeah. But, like, I watched the replay on that, and the amount of space in between his skates was, like, one nanometer more than a puck. And I'm like, you just have to give that to Trevor Zegers. Yeah, like, you're like, all right, it's... You can't what are you gonna criticize. Do? One of those things where you're like, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was quite the play. I, <laughs> that is the one thing that I do like, at least for the, from the Canadians perspective, Zegers didn't fully clown on them. Like he did last time doing the Michigan skating right behind the net. And he just like whipped it back while in a fluid motion, which I still to this day have only ever seen him do. Most guys like stop and pick up the puck and then like flip yeah. it in. But he did it full on, picking it up, never stopped skating, and then whipped it in and like kept going. It's one of the best goals I've ever seen. Oh, it was. I mean, the you remember, the internet exploded at that point. But it was. He's uh, he's perfect for this. People, you know, are like like hating and saying, "Oh, he should be, you know, in a bigger market or on a better team." I'm like, Trevor Zegers is exactly where he needs to be. You know, Anaheim. We've. I would say the closest that the Ducks have had to a guy like Zegers would be Timu. And even then, like, Zegers is just somebody so special. Big personality, insane skill on the ice. Like, he's a guy that is, well, he's already growing the game, but he really can grow the game in a market that's not traditionally, you know, is a non-traditional hockey market, as people like to say. So he's, I, I am, you know, and I'm biased being a Ducks fan and being local in the Southern California area, but he's in he's in the right spot as far as it growing the game in a marketing standpoint this is where you want guys like that that's yeah, why like everyone's kind of joking about austin matthews going to going to arizona <laughs> once the coyotes get their uh get their tempe arena you know it's hey you, you know that would absolutely you get a scottsdale native playing for the arizona team that would that will never happen but i listen if that happens i will I'll figure out something I have to do. I'll be beside myself, but that's, you know, that's how you, that's how you grow the game. You put talented players, you put these stars, you know, some of these younger guys in these smaller markets and get good teams and eventually build and get people excited about the sport. Wanting to say, like, I remember 
it was like a road trip when they did the, when he and Milano had the alley-oop goal and that clip that went absolutely viral. And the first Ducks game back at home, I remember going to that game and there was notably more fans in the seats, notably more crowds there. And it's just kind of goes to show you're like, hey, you build it, they will come. So I'm all in, obviously biased, as I say, but, you know, I think Seagrass is great for the league. I think he's great for the growth of the game. And I'm happy. I'm happy he's here. Yeah. And, you know, similar story with Cole Caulfield. I feel like he's Absolutely. got that vibrant personality that, you know, Montreal doesn't really need to grow the game at home. But I do think that they do need to grow the game in terms of attracting younger fans, right? Right. A lot of these older markets have been complacent in how they market the game because they're going to sell out. Although the Canadians aren't right now because they're in a rebuild, but most of them are going to sell out. Uh, they know that they have great TV numbers. There are legions of people who are going to tune in every night, no matter what, but that demographic keeps getting a little bit older and a little bit older. And eventually your runway, it, it ends, right? So guys like Zegris, like Caulfield, who are dominating the game right now, who play such electrifying styles. It, it's huge. Uh, we had a couple more questions from the chat here. Uh, Noel asks if we can chat about the refs. They were pretty terrible. Tonight, I'm not going to lie, but I, I think it, it's easy to look at this game. And I think there were definitely some really egregious missed calls or just flat out bad calls. Like I would say the Hoffman interference or golden interference call when the goalie is, poke checking outside of his crease that's a wild yeah, I, one yeah but i mean at that point they're they were like oh we have to i mean he hit the goalie we gotta call something like yeah. goaltender interference was not it though yeah and i think it's easy to get yourself worked up about that and yes it was terrible but the officiating in the nhl is pretty much always terrible always <laughs> and at the end of the day in this specific game the canadians got the result that they earned like you can't show up for a couple of minutes in the third period and expect to win a game. And it was very clear to me from the outset that they came into this game, not taking the ducks seriously. And at the end of the day, they're still an NHL team and yeah. that bit them. So yeah, we can complain about the refs for sure. I think Gord Dwyer was terrible tonight and he was terrible last night in Ottawa as well, but I don't believe the refs lost the game for the Canadians. I think they did that job themselves. Right. I agree with that. I certainly, like you said, like officiating in general, like needs some sort of overhaul, some sort of not reforms, not the right word, but something where, you know, it's just consistency at this point where it's just night in night out. You just, I mean, let's not even go into goaltender interference and like, it's kind of a crapshoot at that point. You're just hoping that, you know, the, the person reviewing it, whether they're the official or whether they're open Toronto is looking at it and saying, okay, like, that's blatant, like thinking the same way that you do like, Oh yeah, that's blatant there. But no, it's just, I mean, some points, like you just kind of see calls and what, which game was it? It was, no, it was Carolina. I think it was Carolina and Pittsburgh. They had that overtime play and I forget who came into Brian rust, but then, you know, somebody came in, just boarded Brian rust into the boards. And then they went over, scored one in overtime. And it was blatant, like blatant boarding right there. And I'm like, well, at that point they're like, well, we missed it. Can't do anything about it. But that cost the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that, there's another and that, thing we have to, should we should bring up is I believe the Ducks are the most penalized team in the league, right? So 
wouldn't surprise me. If there's <laughs> any team that you can't really complain about the refs against, it's it's the Ducks. Like they've had a rough yeah. ride this year. So it's literally, and it's just you know, it's all the dumb stuff, you know. Like, and there's like the good old, like the old time hockey where like at the end of the game, you know, you're getting blown out, and you know, you're like trying to start shit, trying to start a scrum, you know, send a message as they say. I'm like, what message are you sending? Like. You're losing five nothing. The message has been sent long ago. Like what? You, you, what are you doing? You're getting kicked off the ice with three minutes left. Like, yeah, message received. Uh, it's mostly just like you said, dumb penalties, dumb like not. And the, the, the funniest thing about that too is they're the most penalized team, and they have the worst penalty kill. So. The Canadians the made that penalty kill look real good tonight until yes, Cole Caulfield finally scored. And I think the second worst power play, because I think the Canadians have the worst power play. They do indeed. And okay, as you yeah. saw, why? <laughs> they had that like brief moment of brilliance to create Caulfield's goal. And before that, it, it was not a pretty sight. <laughs> yeah, we've got people constantly talking about, like, will Alex Burroughs, who's the power play coach, uh, be fired? Or is he even in charge? There's people saying that Marty St. Louis is running the power play right now. Which, you know, St. Louis shouldn't be running the power play full-time. Like, I, I think this coaching staff, because uh, Marty St. Louis is a rookie coach. Alex Burroughs is a rookie, like, uh, assistant coach. Stefan Robida is a rookie assistant coach. They need some experience, but I don't think it's going to happen until the offseason. Like, they need something there. A guy who's like an X and O's guy who is significantly better at it than Alex Burroughs is. And maybe Burroughs will be a good assistant coach at one point in his career. But it's been, what, two and a half seasons, I think, for Burroughs, and the power play has been atrocious. And now that the Canadians actually have weapons to make a good power play, it's getting like harder and harder to defend that. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> Noel says, I'm not sure anybody's actually running the power play. You're no, not wrong. <laughs> They're just going out there like, all right, (laughs) let's do this. Absolutely. I still have to to like remind myself. It's so funny to hear Alex Burroughs being an assistant coach for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm like, (laughs) I still think of him. I see him in that Vancouver Canucks uniform. (laughs) Just (laughs) Just biting fingers. Biting fingers. That's, that's, that's the Alex Burroughs I know and love. Not necessarily love, but. (laughs) Yeah. You would think that like the power play would have a little bit more agitation to it or something or a little bit more grit. Maybe being a coach, you know, zend him a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't know. He's all calm now. Doesn't want to <laughs> rock the Just boat. Know. Yeah, we need a little bit more Alex Burrows, the player, on that power play. But it, it, we haven't seen it yet. Um, other questions we got. Uh, Jake Allen tonight. I didn't think Allen was the reason why they lost, but also he did get beat cleanly six times. Three of them just happened to be like inside of the post and out, so yeah, wouldn't have been the reason they won. Either. Post the post was what was allowed tonight. That's for sure. Every time this you is think true. Like, yeah, I think Troy Terry had one where like the net moved. Yeah, it just yeah. At that at that point, you're just like you know, so close, but. Yeah. Do you, I, I, now that you bring up Jake Allen, I I always think about the goaltending situation in Montreal. And I know it's kind of a, a gray area right now with Carey Price and and his health and where that's at. Do you think any uh, – what's the ideal scenario for you uh, 
as far as what happens in net going forward for the Canadians. I think they've got to stop riding Allen so much just because he kind of breaks down the more he gets relied upon, like the more games he gets, his, his game starts to deteriorate a little bit. He has like less focus. You see him like not as capable of fighting through screens and he's such a battler in net. Like he's so active side to side and because he, he, I don't know if he's super small, but he's not a big guy either. I feel like he has to be like constantly moving around guys to, to see pucks and the Canadians force him to do big pushes side to side constantly because they're not good at stopping those like cross the middle passes. So he often gets injured if he plays too much. And yeah. Sam Montembeau has been fine, right? Like I think he's fallen off a little bit lately, but a lot of that has to do with just one game against the Canucks where I don't know if you heard about this, but the Canadians had a four nothing lead and then blew it and it was five, four. Yeah. Then they got it back at six, five, and then they blew it again in overtime. So that game really juiced his numbers the wrong way. But overall, he's been great, and they can rely on him a little bit more, give Allen a little bit more rest. Neither of them have been uh, like world breakers or anything. They just have to keep them healthy enough to not be embarrassing down the stretch. Because I, yeah. I think the Canadians are in for like a rough ride the rest of the season as the schedule gets a little bit more packed. You know, four games this week. Heading into the holidays, the competition gets a little bit tougher. They start playing some tougher teams. Like, they haven't even played yeah. Boston yet. Uh, things are going to go bad. They're going to have some rough stretches where they lose a lot. Yeah. And it's just about keeping everybody healthy. And not having games like this where you look bad and lose. Like, look decent and still lose because you want that high pick. But right. just, like, maintain some integrity down the stretch. That's going to be the biggest challenge, I think, for this team. That's what I want for the Ducks. Like, yeah, just go out there and play good hockey. Like, yeah. I said, like play hard, like, right? Chance the rapper. Let's do that hockey. Like, just <laughs> like get put some effort out there. Play to the. If it's one thing to hey lose when you've you know I don't want to say you know it's kind of cliche to say left it all out in the ice, but like get something going there when you are just atrociously bad. Like, how does that? Like, I just don't think. Yeah, you're tanking, but how does that benefit morale? How does that benefit player development? How does that benefit anything? I don't think it does. So, no, I, I feel you on that one. I yeah, just always thought I was I always wondered like where kind of Habs fans heads were at there, especially given like where like the uncertainty of, you know, is Carey Price going to come back? Like, when is he going to come back if that's the case? Yeah, I don't think anybody expects him to come back at this point just because the injury that he's dealt with has taken so long and yeah. doesn't seem to be progressing anywhere. It, it's a it's been a bittersweet ending to Price's career because on the one hand, they can kind of move away from that $10 million salary and True. move things around a little bit, take on salary at the deadline in order to like recoup picks. Like The whole Sean Monaghan trade happened because Price went on injured reserve. They couldn't yeah. have done that without that. So they gained a first-round pick already, got a decent player who's been essentially their second-line center all year, and there's a possibility that they can get another first-round pick at the deadline. So that's brilliant. Yeah. <clears throat> an, un an unfortunate like situation that it's because of Price being hurt, but that is something that they've flexed to take advantage of that situation. Uh, so yeah, Price is probably gone. I saw a comment here saying a uh, petition for Elon Musk to take over the Habs goal. I assume that's pro tanking because he's not doing a good job running anything else right I'm now. I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
if we have Elon Musk stands in the chat, I have to tell you, get out. <laughs> Bye. Not a fan. <laughs> Guys ruining Twitter. But uh, yeah, overall, I think the goaltending situation is probably the one where people are going to have the most patience because they don't really have any uh, like NHL-ready prospects in, in the fold. They've got a couple guys that seem to have like some decent promise. But not building around a goaltender is something kind of new for Montreal and probably something that the fans are excited to see because they're prioritizing, prioritizing scoring for once. And I find it's never super fun to watch hockey where like your main focus is like, I hope the goalie has a great save percentage tonight. You know what I mean? Right. It's almost more fun to not care as much about the goaltenders and just have like, okay, everybody go out there and have fun. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you think you, you, you think about well the avalanche last year. I mean, you knew that like Darcy, Kem- as long Darcy Kemper just had to be good. He didn't yeah, have he had to be, be not bad. Outstanding. He didn't have to stand on his head. He didn't have to do anything miraculous. Like he just had to be there make a couple stops because you knew the other, the rest of the team was going to, you think about the Red Wings, you, you know, who had Chris Osgood in net, yep. where it's just like, Hey, didn't have to be spectacular. He's not <clears> Dominic Koshik, <throat> like got held, held it down for some wins, but you know, wasn't doing, just had to be there. I would hope, I would hope for that. Oh, hopefully, hopefully one day, but. I mean, it's always great to have a great goalie. It's just the totally. temptation is there to build. <clears throat> a team around that goalie instead of a team and also have the good goalie, <laughs> well, which well, yeah well that's what bob murray tried to do when he was doing his retool with the ducks he was like oh i'm gonna build around john gibson which he really didn't i mean yeah you got some not solid draft picks there obviously he he's the one that drafted zegris you know drysdale mctavish a uh, couple of boneheaded trades but was able to get a couple a couple other first round picks in there but i mean unless you're I feel like if you're going to build around a goalie, it's got to be the goalie. Yeah. And then just kind of, you got to have like a generational talent. And I hate saying that, like, you know, not recognizing Gibby's talent there. He put up amazing numbers, but like, I think that was maybe what's the, what's the phrase there? Well, I was maybe a little too early, early yeah. commitment there to do that at that point. But I mean, you think about like Henrik Lundqvist, you think about, you know, guys that, you know, he was the captain of that you know, technically the cat, like, captain he was the guy he was the guy for sure and that was the guy that you know most people went to go see and rightfully so you know he was awesome but totally you want to have you know you got to prioritize because you can't win games without scoring goals as you know dumb and cliche as that is if you don't have scoring you're not gonna you're not gonna win and just goaltending is not gonna lead you lead you to a cup yeah it's it's an unfortunate thing for goaltenders and like growing up as a goalie myself but all you can really do is not lose you can't win the game. You right. need the scorers to be there for you to win the game. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't think we have too much else to talk about for this game. So I think we'll end it there. Thanks so much, Annie, for coming on short notice. You're great to chat with. You're fantastic. So I wish you great <laughs> luck through the rest of the season that it's not as intolerable as the first third or so has been for the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, hopefully you get one of the top three guys available in the draft. That's what I'm hoping for. Thanks so much for having me. This was a blast. My pleasure. And and thank you again. Before we close things up, tell everybody where they can find you. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Sweet Annie OD. I also have a podcast that's currently on a hiatus, uh, but it's OD on sports. Hopefully getting that back up and running uh, early 2023. And uh, yeah, I'm posting sports content uh, pretty much everywhere. So love interacting with fans from all over. So toss me a follow. Perfect. All right, everybody. Go follow Annie. Follow all of her work. And we'll see you again on Saturday. Uh, I don't even remember who the Canadians face on Saturday, but uh, I'll be here. Oh, great. It's the, it's the lightning. I'm sure they'll be great in that <laughs> game. I'm sure there's no issues to be found there. Our <laughs> David Savard, if he's back, will be great. He always loves playing the lightning. Mutual old friend Corey Perry for both of us. There you go. There's the through line, right? It all connects. It's a small world. <laughs> Thanks so much to everyone for... Uh, watching tonight and uh, make sure you hit like and subscribe on the video subscribe to us on every podcast app that you can think of and uh we'll see you on saturday game over powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook